G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. You might have caught some of the latest issues being pushed by woke LGBT activists. And no, not necessarily talking about the news headlines today. Pride issues around the wearing of rainbow colours on football jerseys, the Manly Football Club and Christian players protesting by refusing to wear them. But today, a group of so-called anarchist archaeologists or trendy academics have reportedly labelled human remains non-binary or gender neutral. It appears to be another way that today's radical ideologies have the potential to corrupt the more objective past. Traditionally, when human remains are discovered and excavated, archaeologists determine important scientific facts such as age, gender and race. They use proven scientific methods, such as bone structure and DNA analysis. Woke warriors insist that archaeologists no longer categorise the race or gender of remains because they say it contributes to white supremacy. Well, we're talking fossils, skeletons and all things creation with John Mackay, the creation guy. He's the founder of Creation Research and the Aussie Creation Museum, Jurassic Ark. John Mackay, a special welcome back to 2020. G'day, 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 mate. And just arrived back in town last night from Adelaide and it's good to be back in the warmth. You've been on the road and you've been talking to groups and mm-hmm. churches. In mm-hmm. fact, uh, anyone who wants to hear an amazing presentation around uh, creation versus evolution, uh, they can book you and you do these tours fairly frequently. Uh, any of those planned for the coming times? Well, uh, yes, this week we have a school at Jurassic Ark. We have a work day at Jurassic Ark. And uh, since I haven't looked at my diary since I got back, I don't know what's after that, but I do know it's pretty full. So if folks want to get in on it, uh, book in now and uh, get us to your church or school or bring your school to the uh, Jurassic Ark Museum. Great stuff. And we'll give all the details about being in contact with John Mackay shortly. John, who would have thought today's ideologies impact archaeology? (laughs) Give us your thoughts here on on uh, these archaeologists who are uh, wanting to be a little bit woke? Well, it's been an issue for a little while behind the scenes because people like myself and anyone in our organisation or creation ministries or archaeology ministries, even if they're not Christian, have been making a point, well, okay, you use gender-neutral terms in real life. You want people not to identify as male or female. Yet, look, in biology, we have no choice. In archaeology, we have no choice. We dig up Caesar. We don't think he's even going to be a woman or, or, or gender-neutral at all. 
I was uh, doing work in association with the British Museum. I, I challenged their, their thoughts about something called the Guadalupe Woman. And uh, so they they actually challenged me, you know, get the stuff, get the facts. So I actually did. I went over to where she'd been found, or she, sorry, that's a, that's not a, a neutral word anymore. <laughs> it's very hard to have a gender-free language when in, a, in a language that's full of gender. But having said that, the woman was easy to identify because she had the structure of a woman. Even though she was dead and you couldn't get an opinion from her, the Guadalupe lady, the Guadalupe woman, had the structure of a female, female pelvis, female skull, etc. There's, there's so many differences you can point out. It's not just fingerprints. It's not just a higher voice. It's not just biological shape on the outside with breasts. and That's all gone in a skeleton, but it's so easy to identify. When I go on a dinosaur dig, the last thing anybody asked me, was this a homosexual dinosaur, right? Uh, You'll find the gender idea, the woke idea, simply doesn't work in practice. And this is a desperate plea to try and gain political influence by a group which is talking nonsense. What does it do for, you know, Piltdown Man or Neanderthal Man, uh, those sorts of things, and where there's Mm. been skeletons, and they're all controversial, no doubt, as well, but... Yes, the way the whole archaeology scene has developed has been around uh, this gender focus. It certainly has. And if you think of how they would achieve making you Neanderthal thing, right, rather than Neanderthal (laughs) man, you will have to get a law passed to make it impossible, to make it forbidden, to make it illegal to actually use the term man. And that's where they want to go. They want to remove labels from birth certificates. So you can now, I believe, even leave the gender off a baby certificate and you don't even need to acknowledge as parents, maybe birth line or something like that, no acknowledgement of mum or dad. They are gaining legal power and that's what, if you Christians are listening, if you're in those uh, roles, if you're in those positions, do something about it before it's too late and you find they've they've got you by the, the short and curlies, they've got you by the neck, they've got you by a noose and it's too late because it's legalised. Trendy academics, John, is this becoming more and more uh, pervasive? Uh, The thought that, you know, because of discussion about these ways that we talk about pronouns or Mm. uh, the language that's being used and uh, some people obviously to keep their job, they have to keep up with all of this too. But trendy academics, more and more prevalent. Trendy academics are definitely getting more and more press. I'm not sure they're more prevalent because even when I was a student at university, to be trendy was in, right? But you were trendy about the Vietnam War or trendy about something else, right? You took the opposite position of the majority and it was guaranteed to give you fame. You wrote a paper in those terms and it got you in the headlines or it got you in published in an article. Uh, the trend has been in the last 20 years, climate change. So if you wrote a paper and you wanted it to get published, no matter how much rubbish was in it, if you mentioned, oh, this will benefit studies on climate change, you were in. That was the trend. And I'll be honest, Christians need to watch for trends, whether it's in theology or politics. They come, they go. The issue is what's true. Uh, I still remember one teacher who got herself so into trouble, um, not a Christian, but she simply said to the person when they were questioning the, the gender of students, listen, if you don't know if that's a boy or a girl, come with me. We'll pull their pants down and check. Right. <laughs> Obviously, she was stretching it, but they, they got the point. 
Uh, Let me just outline how the controversy uh, erupted around this particular remains and the thought that you need to have this non-binary view of remains. Uh, The researchers suggested last year that a thousand-year-old remains found in Finland belonged to a non-binary person because items around the bones, such as a sword, suggested the person was male, while the jewellery suggested the remains were female. So you've got people theorising around that, that somehow or other that must have been a non-binary person. Well, in reality, if you're a Viking and you can carry one of their nice big swords, then it's very unlikely you're going to be a woman particularly since most of their boats were fully male. Uh, I mean, not, not the boat is male, but the actual uh, ingredients <laughs> in it, right? And you see, you mentioned it was Iceland. Hang on, we did, just, uh, just yeah. to double back here, yeah. and you just hold your thought there, but, uh, mm-hmm. but people call boats by female gender, yeah. so That's that right. all has to change too, doesn't it? It certainly does, and the <laughs> French have male chairs and female dogs or vice versa. I still <laughs> yes, remember okay. struggling with that. Yep. But in reality, if you look at Iceland, it's a very interesting case because it was settled by people like um, Eric the Red and thing, and his son, particularly Leif, set up the first Christian church over there because he'd been converted and that became a Christian country. So we say Iceland is really Isas land and Isas was a male gender, right? And you cannot deny it. In fact, if you know your biblical theology, Jesus had to be a male because only a pure male lamb could be sacrificed for the shedding of blood. It's God's rule. Why? Because one man bought sin, one man had to take it out. Get rid of gender and Christianity falls apart. And if you can see far enough, that's what wokeism is about, destroying what they think is the biggest club on the planet, e.g. the Christian church. And motivations for moving along these lines, uh, trying to identify non-binary remains, uh, the thought that the uh, the idea of contributing to white supremacy. Uh, do gender and race contribute to white supremacy? If you happen to name those remains as male, does that mean that's contributing to white supremacy? I don't know how that all works. Uh, any thoughts here from you? Um, apart from the fact that the majority of archaeologists have been fairly wealthy white men or fairly wealthy white groups funded by rich uncles there's not too much money directly in archaeology you've got to have rich relatives or rich university right Uh, that that would be the only link i could possibly even think of but in reality guadalupe woman was not european right she's north american so calling her a woman and having met many north american women uh native women i cannot for the life of me see how this would even achieve what they're trying to achieve uh, it's like, say, that tree is non-gender. Um, and, and all of these things become absolutely meaningless in the bigger picture, again, without reference to God creating us male and female, which is your absolute authority for gender, right? He gives gender. Um, you want to challenge his rules? You'll have to talk to higher than me. You've just raised something quite significant too. Of course, uh, plants have gender. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you, this, uh, this sort of thing could snowball into uh, oh, you know, an even bigger can. argument. So, it certainly can. Yeah, so how do you describe you know, gender around plants and things well, like I that? Well, I grow pawpaws, bisexual ones, which have both male and female gender. A little confused, you could say. But then there are some pawpaws that have a male and a female separately. Uh, so we, we have to use these terms to even describe them. 
right? This is a bisexual plant. Uh, this is a single sex plant. And so the same terms uh, would have to be messed up. Uh, but that's they're, they're willing to mess it up now to label a bee as a mouse if it needs to gain extra recognition in the green agenda to uh, p- prevent creatures dying out. It's hilarious what they're willing to bend the rules to, but it makes language meaningless, Right, so if I'm going to talk to you about my daughter, oh, sorry, I can't use that word anymore, about she, no, sorry, I can't use, it becomes impossible to communicate, and if you think about it, that's what the devil tries to do with language, because God wants his Holy Spirit to open up words. We know that there is a, like a disintegration of uh, this firm understanding male and female, Mm -hmm. and you wonder about the motivation of people, uh, the thought that historical facts Uh, becoming the latest frontier for advocates of radical gender ideology, uh, which, you know, uh, which actually eats away at one of these foundations of our Western civilization, because we're founded on male, Mm -hmm. female, uh, the way that the family is constructed. So is there something here? I I suspect most people in the LGBT community are not smart enough to be saying we're running a conspiracy to destroy civilization but something's driving that and uh, or or are they doing that intentionally or unintentionally any thoughts well, from you my experience with these extremists that's where they are at the moment they want to become the norm with these extremist groups is they want a, a situation they want a society which won't condemn them legally or morally they want to be one of us eg i want to be gay good as you Right, So that's what the word is actually about. Nothing to do with gay Paris or anything like that. So you find that they have to change our, our perception of gender. The little boy who's three. I mean, in Victoria, you can buy books for kindergarten in which the little Johnny is sitting there wondering why he has two daddies. Uh, they're programming the kids to accept this as norm, whereas what God does in his word is program you to say that's wrong. And that's what they're trying to eliminate. And if our culture is based on a biblical perception, which it still is, hanging on by thin threads, but you have to say the Bible is right, therefore you are wrong. The Bible is right, therefore we must bow down to the Lord God Almighty. Let's put the Christian in the middle of this because you've been dealing with this sort of uh, ways that people try to falsify history because as a creationist, uh, you're there in the battle against the science that says there's other reasons for origins and uh, there's other ways that things develop by evolution, not by God's creation. So uh, you've been in this for a long time, scientists trying to disprove uh, what is a revealed past and so you've got this parallel now uh, way that there is an attack on f- the way that people want to falsify history. Uh, there's something in here that we're already aware of. Uh, mm-hmm. The rest of the world just catching on to that. And there's some t- this the, the perception is here that I have is somebody has to stand up and just put a line in the sand or put a stake in the ground mm-hmm. and say this is true. If you actually have a look, because what you're talking about now is the philosophy of society, how they think about themselves. It doesn't matter whether you go back to the ancient Greeks who basically divided things up into where we come from, tells us who we are, which tells us where we're going to. Or you get the evolutionists who say, if we change the past, e.g. Hitler, we rewrite history, we can rewrite the future. 
we can get rid of truth and justice as it was received and change it to what we want. Now, that's where Australia is at at the moment, changing all the laws about gender and sex, which originally were based on Genesis chapter 1 and Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Now, you can't deny it. Our laws are essentially Christian because they're borrowed from England. You get you want to get rid of those, you have to change the history. Get rid of the history, get rid of male, get rid of female, get rid of God. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You might have a question for our very special guest, John Mackay, the creation guy, the founder of Creation Research. Uh, John, let's take some calls and uh, let uh, listeners help direct where our conversation goes. Michael is in Maruya in New South Wales. Hi, Michael. Welcome. Good day, Neil. Hey, John. Good day, mate. Uh, something, something I'd like to ask you, John. Do you know? Got any idea what colour skin Adam and Eve would have had, mm-hmm. and uh, why? And why? Uh, oh, and for that matter, the uh, coloured skin Jesus, Mary, and Joseph had, and the people, apostles, and the people from over there. And how come we? Uh, there's different people in different parts of the world got different coloured skin. And some have different um, uh, eye shapes and uh, facial features and sizes, body sizes. You want a whole program, you do. (laughs) (laughs) Good question, Michael. Uh, Give it your best shot here, Let me help you as quickly as I can, and I'll tell you where you can get much more information from it. We went around the world doing several programs called Real Roots and Origin of the Races. They are still available. You can stream them from creationresearch.net. You can look up our fact file. There's lots of stuff there on races and skin color, including the one that you've asked, right? And uh, you can even uh, go to our Q&A site. So have a look at all those resources. They'll be very helpful because I won't answer every one of your questions in this part here. Okay, so when you look at um, the skin color of Adam, clues, Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, God saw everything he had made and behold, it was very good. So the one thing you know, morally and physically, whatever color Adam was, it was very good. Okay, now on today's planet, what skin color is very good? Well, I'm sitting here looking at the skin color of a Scotsman descended to Australia. Um, In Scotland, my dad didn't even know he had freckles until he came to Australia, and now I've got heaps of them. But the interesting thing about those freckles is I've got every colour of the pl- on the planet, every skin colour. I've got black, I've got white, I've got pink, I've got brown. Every skin colour, actually, if you go to the shower, shower carefully, look at every part of your body, you'll find that everybody has every colour of every race on the one nation, on the one body, right? So what's the best combination? Well, no, it's not freckles because I sunburn crazy. I've been out in the desert the last week doing some research. And man, even if it's winter, I still sunburn out in the desert. So skin color that's sort of um, mixed up like mine, freckly, is not very good. On the other hand, if I have skin color that's jet black, I almost have to live in the desert or I don't get enough vitamin D. I have to live where it's a hot desert because my skin color will reject uh, the sunlight that's making vitamin D for me, which is essential for my bone structure and things like that. So in the present world, if we ran all the colors through, the best skin color is medium brown. Not too dark, not too light. You've got, it's a substance called melanin. 
you've got three colouring pigments in your body, yellow, um, and, and, and you've got the uh, red from your blood, and you've got the brown from melanin. So if you just concentrate on the melanin, Adam's skin colour would have been the best combination of those. And to be honest, it's the one that just fits to the description that his name says. A-D-A-M, the red man, the rosy man, the ruddy man. He wasn't too dark and he wasn't too light. He was the sort of colour, you know, that uh, bronzy brown that we see on the Gold Coast beaches that we all eat our hearts out and are envious over. That's probably the skin colour of your first man. And in fact, all the other skin colours from degenerate freckles like I've got right, all the way through to snow white skin and blonde hair, all the way through to jet black skin uh, can be derived from that. But you won't like the way I'm going to say so. It's by degeneration, by breakdown. So from Adam, perfection. Adam, very good skin colour. All the way through Noah, Babel, etc. The skin colours have broken up, gone down, down, down. And you want to know what colour Jesus was? Well, he was a Jew. The rest of the answers on creationresearch.net. Look up Q&A and you'll find it really helpful there. But think about what colour Jews are. Creationresearch.net. Michael, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Carol is in Alumba near Cairns. Hello, Carol. Welcome. Good morning. How are you? Well, thank you, Carol. What's your question for John? Um, I want to know, you know, in um, about Noah, mm-hmm. Noah's son, yep. after the flood... And when it said, um, when his sons went in and looked upon Noah's body, yep. on his naked body, mm-hmm. and Noah cursed, one of the sons was a dark skin. Mm-hmm. And um, the curse was, Noah cursed him and said that his descendants after him too would, um, that we would serve, ser- I mean, he would, they would serve his brothers, um, descendants and yep, his brother yep, yep. because the other ones were lighter skin and Noah blessed them. Okay. Is that, is this a reason why it is between black and white today? Um, no, you've sort I'm of. I'm Aboriginal. Yeah, no, you've sort of not got the whole story there. So Noah, certainly his name means rest. His name has no indication of color in it. Uh, so that means he's most probably the same skin color as Adam. Otherwise, they would have known, oh, look, there's Noah with freckles, right? And it would have usually gone into his name, as, as we name people today uh, who are red-haired, you know, uh, and bad-tempered, and, and we have ways to name them. Okay, so when you look at Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, you'll find that Japheth is Hebrew for white, Ham is Hebrew via Egyptian for dark, and Shem has nothing to do with color. Right, so we've got three sons involved here. Ham is the one who actually, whatever he did to his dad, it's never too specified, but it's something that was abhorrent to dad. It was abhorrent even to his two brothers. Now, what you find is then the way you've stated the story, I'd recommend you read it again, that God cursed Ham's son. Right? Now, to you and me, you say, what logic is that? Well, the reality is Noah's son had cursed Noah by what he did, so God cursed Ham's son for what Ham did. Right? So there is the legal connection there. Now, only one of Ham's sons was cursed. Now, what you'll find is he's the one that gave rise to the Canaanites. Right? So the Canaanites, surprise, surprise, they were not dark. 
You see, because Noah had three different coloured sons, his offspring also had multicoloured sons. And Canaan, from all of history, is more like the Jewish skin colour. I'll give it away for the last listener caller there. They're sort of light middle brown. That's what the Canaanites would have been, closer to white than to, to black. So we're not talking about the black colour that Aboriginals are gloriously blessed with for living in this skin cancer-ridden country. Now, what you'll find is he was closer to the white end, and Canaan certainly was cursed, but he was also told that he would become a servant to his brothers. And yet Shem yeah. uh, and Japheth, Japheth would dwell in the tents of Shem, and Shem would be the servant of the Most High God. Shem gives rise to the people you and I know as the Jews, who are the origin of Jesus, and the, the servants of the Most High God came through that, that line. Ham, Ham was a, a bit of a bad egg, quite literally. And Canaan, certainly, by the time Moses was leaving Egypt, the Canaanites had become sexually abhorrent. Right, probably as a result of what uh, Ham had done, uh, it's it's sort of an inherited or family type trait. Now, at that time, you may remember two Canaanites decided to trick the people of Israel. Uh, they knew the Israelites yeah. were killing everybody because God had told them to clean out the land, and so they decided let's let's get a treaty with these guys. But to do so, we'll have to outsmart these people, and outsmarting a Jew is a pretty hard thing to do, even today. Yeah. So what they did was they got on yeah. a horse, made it all dirty and tatty. They wore tatty clothes. They got tatty bags, put tatty bits of bread in it, right? And they turned up looking pathetically, you know, out of out of breath, out of out of exhaustion, out of food. And they begged to be allowed to live if they could become the servants of uh, Moses and his crowd. Now, the reality is that's what they were allowed to do. They tricked the Judaistic or the Israelites, right? And they were allowed to become their servants. And that curse placed upon Ham's son was fulfilled at that time. That curse has nothing to do with Aborigines, nothing to do with Europeans, descendants of Japheth. It's got only to do with the Canaanites, descendants of Canaan, who basically have almost died out these days, but they certainly became servants, slaves to the people of Israel in exchange for their lives, which in reality is not a bad deal if you think about it. Carol. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for clearing that up for me. Good. Well, we've got a lot of things yeah. on Aboriginal and races, so you might want to go to creationresearch.net and just search race or Aborigines. I've just been down at an Aboriginal church in uh, in uh, Broken Hill. Had a wonderful time. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Just to touch on this topic that we began to talk about, uh, messing with the identification of remains, uh, one comment I read is that that risks making knowledge itself simply a matter of political preference. You've got to stand up and say something here or science doesn't mean anything. Unfortunately, they've got a good playing field to to build on because I remember helping one PhD student in because I used to lecture in cold geology and he said, I can't get the right results. I said, what do you mean you can't get the right results? Uh, that means they were predetermined. He said, well, I keep drilling holes. I keep getting the same results. The professor says they're wrong. I say, it's what, what I get when I drill. And I said, well, what you've got is a professor who's locked into a particular theory. And unless you find something that unlocks his theory, you won't get anywhere. So his pre preference was already decided. Nothing to do with the facts at all. Another young student, he uh, was doing his uh, basic degree. And then right at the end of it, when he had to submit a thesis, just a, a small one, a university ordered every student in the university, no matter what degree they were doing, 
had to make their final thesis on the relevance of climate change to their subject. And you think, it's got nothing to do with his subject whatsoever. Right, and so they had a pet preference that was being imposed upon the students. And I remember giving a lecture at Queensland University, and it was a very well attended lecture, very noisy, dealt with the origin of races, right? And I was re- recounting Aboriginal traditions and that that I'd come across. And this very sarcastic guy said, All you're doing is putting Christian glasses on and seeing the evidence through Christian glasses. You're not dealing with the evidence at all. And so, in other words, anything that even reeked of Christianity or smelt faintly was out in his opinion. And meanwhile, wokeism puts mm. all science at risk. Yeah. We're taking calls on one 316 Cindy has been waiting very patiently from Benalla. Hello, Cindy. Uh, now we've got a little Hello. bit of extra time. Hit us with your question. Okay, there's two. Uh, in Revelations 21, 7 to 8, it's a lake of fire and brimstone. Is brimstone from a volcano... And the other one is Gehenna, is a fire that destroys the soul in Matthew ten twenty eight. Now, I know of three types of fires, wildfire, cremation, and atomic bomb. Will they destroy the soul? Okay, you will find that um, the brimstone is an old word for sulfur-rich burning, right? So... Um, all of the stones, all of the questions you've asked, all of the illustrations you've given, whether it's uh, nuclear bombs or whatever, cannot touch your your spirit. Now, I, I said it that way deliberately because, you see, our perception of man is not quite as it should be from the Bible. We were made in the image of God. God is Father, Son, and Spirit. So don't be surprised as we build up our picture of man all the way through, you find human beings are body, soul, and spirit. Plants are body. Animals are body and soul. So when I said good morning to my dog this morning, he smiled, his ears wagged, he went and got a stick. He's got a personality. When I said good morning to the tomato bush, didn't say a thing. Didn't even react to me, right? Now, you might speak to your roses and think it does good. Well, you go right ahead. But in reality, the, the best way of viewing plants is they have a machinery, a body, right? And it's designed to be our, our support system. The animals can have a relationship with us, good or bad. They have body. They have soul, which is your personality, so that if something goes wrong in your body, say your brain collapses, your soul can no longer express itself. But on re, in, the, in the final being body, soul and spirit and it's the spiritual part of us which is busted by sin. That's the part that is no longer in the image of God and needs to be restored. So none of the things you mention can actually destroy the spirit. They will make hash of your body and your soul. So that's a short version for you, Cindy. Cindy, is that okay, a... Thanks. Yep, great. Yeah, that's a good answer. Thanks. Cindy, Bye. thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open. You might have a question. It could be a ticklish question. Might be one you've always thought you'd like to ask. Well, today could be your day. One eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's take another question. Arid is in Moranbar in Queensland. Hi, Arid. Welcome. Welcome. Good morning to you, Neil. G'day Good up in the morning. coal fields. Oh, I'm, I'm I'm greatly. I love listening. I'm a passionate believer of the Bible, and I amen. love this topic. Amen. 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 I'm originally from Papua New Guinea. I just want to let you know that, firstly, before I go on air. And uh, I live here in this wonderful country. And just want to know this. This is one of the fascinating topics. If you go back to the origin in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, the Bible plainly and clearly says, God made man 
in his image and bred into the nostril of man the spirit of God and he made man and then he made made female. Very important. And then if you go back to also to the Noah's flood, when the flood came, before the flood came, Noah was advised to take two of it, male and female, very plainly. And Noah took everything, male and female, into the boat before the flood came. Now, to have no sexuality and to have no ganda, we are asking for catastrophic punishment from God. This is a biblical punishment that people, you, you can see it very clearly. I don't want to say these things, but I am very, very head when I see these things happening today in the world. We are going to face the consequences of God. Jesus has forgiven us. He died on the cross of Calvary. But going against this thing is a very, very, you will face the most horrific times. God is a God of mercy. Arid, remember that it's a counterpoint. Yes. You're making a very important point here. Uh, let's pick up on this, John. Uh, consequences. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, your thoughts for Arid. But uh, in yeah. my mind, I'm thinking he's got a question here about consequences for getting things wrong. I'll so give you a, a couple of practical ones. Uh, you remember when we began cloning creatures? Um, Dolly the sheep is the first one. And, of course, what we were doing was trying to do with our mum and dad sheep. We wanted to take sheep A and make a copy of sheep A. Well, in our wisdom, we've managed to succeed in doing that. But here's some of the consequences. Dolly's mum, if you want, I don't know what, what you can't call her mum. That would be woke, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, Dolly's um, hereditary blob um, actually gave us another hereditary blob. But that hereditary blob was made so that she started life from exactly the same point uh, mum blob was at. So she already inherited mum's arthritis, which is not a, a thing a lamb is born with. So not only that, she was now susceptible to every disease mum was. Now, you'll find that we thought we were smart, we thought we'd save money, but in reality we are breeding problems that we didn't think were even transmittable this way, but they are. So our attempt to get rid of male and female is proving to be disastrous at the economic level as well. Uh, When you have a look at, they are now trying to do this with human beings. They've already started doing it with cocker spaniels. I mean, we've been doing it with plants for ages, but in reality, plants, it doesn't seem to have any consequences. I breed orchids, right? And in reality, we can make orchids by bees, you know, the birds and bees story. We can make orchids by cloning the base cells, and you get exact copies that way. Uh, But in reality, it has bigger consequences when you are dealing with not just body, but with body and soul. And, well, we haven't succeeded with body, soul and spirit. And I'm really glad that we can't make a copy of Neil to come in and sit in his (laughs) chair next week. Um, So, yeah, you're right. There is consequences. And man is not God. We are sinners. And even though we're made in God's image and we can create, we can't do it as good as him. And it will never again be very good because we're doing it in a sinful world. Arid, how is that for a response? Oh, that, that's, that's, a, that's a very phenomenal, um, that's a very absolute response. But uh, what, I, what I really am strongly believing is that these things that are coming, if you see the consequences of climate change, no man holds the key to the weather system, not even the weather predictions. They don't give any exact form, only God knows. Once God, people are trying to change what God has intended and created in the origin, that's God's law. That's God's law. It's there. I tell my children, 
do not change any of what the Bible says. Do as the Bible says. I tell them, read only the Bible. That's the best book you can read. It'll guide you all the way through. But anyway, there are a lot of people, things that are coming up. I believe this sexuality is one of the most fundamental yep. creation of God's idea. Arid, let me just uh, let me just yeah. break in. John, you have one more thought for Arid. Let me make this uh, the final point here, Aaron. Uh, you talked about climate change, and I'll tell you what the Bible does give man back in the beginning is dominion, right? You exercise it either godly or ungodly, and I personally have been involved in saying, Lord, this is a place, the leader is over there standing on the beach, we can't hear him. The speaker is working, but I can't hear him up the back. The kids can't hear him. We need the wind to change. All right? Now, he knows where the wind's coming from, where it's going to, but we don't. If we could work out the rules, we might. And instantly, the wind changed the direction and blew the sand in our direction. So we have been given authority to exercise dominion through his power, not our own power. Probably that's a good place to leave it today. Arid, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. 1-800-316-316. You know, when we talk about science and male and female and how that all fits in together, uh, there's a sense here in which while I'm picking up things like the uh, the laws of physics, mm-hmm. well, there must be laws of biology too, and uh, we can relate those to a biblical sense. And so when you're talking male and female, there's a, there's a law there that God has put in place as we're describing what we can see, mm-hmm. which I guess is the scientific method. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts here, John, on the thoughts that uh, that these laws don't change, even if you have some sort of special ideological idea that you think they might? There's something we need to bring up here, which you hinted at, but needs to be expanded just a tad. If you grab the first book on the scientific method, 1604, Francis Bacon, he starts, there are two books laid before us to stop us falling into error. First, there is the Holy Scriptures, right? And the Holy Scriptures says, test everything. Only keep the things that turn out to be true. First Thessalonians 5, 2021 20, area, right? Now, even though the original context is moral, Bacon knew that if you did that for money, if you did that for codes, if you did that for physical tests, if you got the same result tomorrow as you got today, God never changes, so you've discovered a principle. So basically, that's where the method comes from. It is a Christian, God-based, God-delivered um, scenario, and it doesn't work outside of that. If you decide, well, science is whatever I say it is, sorry, you will blow yourself up. I remember doing chemistry at Queensland University, and in geology we were allowed sort of 20% error in dating rocks with uranium and things like that. And then in chemistry we were allowed a half a percent. And I said to the prof, we're doing organic chemistry, why am I only allowed half a percent error? He said, because any more than that the result will kill you. Right, So the reality was much tougher than the theories in geology. So when you look at woke science, it will fail. In the end, it will fail. It will let them down unless, like in Russia, they put money and millions and, and propaganda into science. Unless, like Hitler did, you have to build up a totally false scenario and then make everybody believe it like the emperor's new clothes. That's how they worked. And it will fail. In the end, it will let you down. We're tempted to go along with what the professor might teach. As you say, though, uh, woke science ultimately will fail. The Christian, where we sit in all of that, somehow or other, you've got to put your faith in God. 
learning the science might be a secondary thing, but ultimately you've got somewhere that doesn't move and putting faith in God's not an easy thing for some people because they want to believe the professor over the Bible. But uh, your thoughts here, the fact that you ought to look forward to woke science ultimately failing, mm-hmm. uh, there's opportunity in there, though, isn't there? Oh, because, there sure is. you know, prove mm-hmm. who God is. Mm-hmm. Uh Go with the science that will back the biblical Christian claim. Uh, thoughts here on on people who might be thinking of studying, uh, getting into science. Okay, uh, they're aware of wokeism. Two, two ways for this, and that is that one: you can take the long term view and say woke science will fail. All this degender stuff will fail. Let me set up a business to get ready for the post woke world. Right? I'm serious about this. Like we at Jurassic Ark, we have developed means of making coal. Now, I would have thought the greenies would have loved that. They hate it, right, um, because they want you to believe coal is, a, is an expendable resource. It won't come back. But in reality, you can make it in a couple of weeks, right? So you, you can set up an industry on that. If anybody wants to invest, talk to me, right? But you, it's not going to sell now because the woke science of climate, the woke science of green, the woke science of wokeism, right, is all against that. But they will all fail. And so there's an opportunity coming up if the Lord doesn't return before that for someone in business. At the philosophical level, mum and dad, you need to teach kids that when God invented language, he is a triunity or a trinity and language is a triunity. So do the Daniel thing when your kids are going to school. Get them to remember to say, oh, uh, when they have to answer a question about what is the evidence for evolution? Don't say the evidence for evolution is, say, my professor said. Use the third person, right? right? My professor said, and then learn to move on to Daniel saying, but here's my advice. My professor said, but here's what I think, right? And then finally use the first person, and now I can do this for you. Right? So that's, that's how God has saved us from being executed on the spot. <laughs> okay. Let's take another call. Pam is in Strathpine in Queensland. Hi, Pam. Welcome. What are your thoughts, Pam? You've got a question for John? Um, I wanted to know, my partner wanted how old is the Earth? Uh, approximately five and a half days older than Adam. Um, so I say it that way deliberately because, you see, you can't avoid this issue without getting into the days of creation and when was Adam made. You can't avoid the issue of when was Adam made if you, if you really want to deal with how many people there are on planet Earth. If you plot up the population of planet Earth, you'll find a very interesting phenomena because biologists have been fascinated by this forever. I remember doing it in third year genetics at Queensland University and the professor said, we have a little problem. You see, we know the multiplication rate. We know the death rate. And he said, in 400 years, everybody on this planet is going to have one square meter to stand on and will really need good deodorant, right? So you'll find that he was predicting a terrible end by biological overgrowth and use of and, 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 and abuse, right? So, and then he pointed out a problem. He said, however, if we follow the data back, and remember, they took census in Babylon. They took census in Israel. We have population data for thousands of years, right? And you've plot it back. And the funniest thing is you run out of people about four to four and a half thousand years ago. Now that doesn't surprise me because I'm pretty sure there was a boat with eight of them on it and that was the big, big break. Now you deal about the age of the earth, go back to Adam and Adam was literal, Adam was real and the evidence of those days, 
Well, what does the Bible say about the first day? This is the day the Lord has made, and he's never made another one since. So you can even probably add them up from then to now and realize the world is not billions of days old, not even perhaps millions of days old. Uh, get about four to 5,000 years back to the flood, and there a couple of thousand years back to Adam. Pam, thank you so much for your call. And uh, we're going to have to put a line under calls. We can take one more caller, except just to say... People get hung up on a young earth and an old earth. The science seems to be a contradiction, as you explain it, though, John. People are going, that does make sense. Uh, Why isn't there uh, that sort of evidence for civilization that goes back beyond that? I mean, these sorts of things, people can look for answers at uh, creationresearch.net, where there's all sorts of answers to be discovered. Let's take one more call. James Berry is in Kyabram. Hi, James. Welcome. G'day Neil, g'day John G'day mate um, I've brought, I brought one of these verses up I'm going to say in a minute uh, a couple of times And I haven't got quite the answer I'm looking for uh, As uh, it says in Romans 8.19 That, that the, the eager expectation for the revealing of the sons of God um, As it also says in Galatians 3 uh, But after faith has come we are no longer under a tutor For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ and then it goes on to say, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, saying that even women are called sons of God. I'm not sure if you'll agree with this. Someone else gave me a, an answer that was uh, like a futurism answer, that we're not one in Christ now, but I believe we are. I believe the truth is that we, but like Adam, he fell from sin. He became uh, a son who was no longer a son. Um, but we have to get to that place where we realize in order to accomplish the task, God enlisted the corporation of his firstborn son, using him to engineer a legal method by which to readopt billions of disinherited humans as his sons. So I believe that it's not a futurism answer. It's actually something that can be available right now to every single human being on the planet, male or female, whether they have both uh, anatomy of a male and female. doesn't matter. that. That's not an issue for Christians. That does it to God, as long as you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised you from the dead, you have full access to the heavenly throne room, and you have become a child of God, no matter what your anatomy is. That's James. my view. No okay. Passionate uh, uh, question, passionate. Uh, comment uh, in there. So, John, how do you uh, respond with Let's James? start here. from the beginning. Certainly, Adam was made the son of God. And the crucial point, of course, is that Adam sinned uh, when he willingly disobeyed God. Eve was tricked. So by the time we get up to Timothy, Paul says, I do not allow women to teach in authority over men because Eve was deceived and Adam wasn't. So despite your enthusiasm for gender neutral almost, uh, you'll find that even Paul restricts it to the historical basis that God gave. God made Adam, God made Eve, Eve was made after Adam, and Eve and Adam were different genders, different sexes, whatever word you want to use. And once we descended from Adam we were all cut off from God it didn't matter whether you were degenerate or whatever you were descended from a sinful man who would by sinning had cut us all off from God so when I was born John Mackay the creation guy I was cut off from God I was separated from God I was born with a deformity I was still cut off from God I didn't get any favors that way when I was re-accepted into his uh, family I became adopted Right, I became adopted truly as a son of God, uh, not just, just with an emphasis on the maleness, but because Jesus made a testament that gave me legal access to his family, whether I'm male or female. 
Now, beware of restricting the term sons to a maleness sort of concept to make us all the one when the very man who came up with that thought says over in Timothy, I don't allow women to preach in authority. Now, I know I've been terribly controversial here, but I've preached this in many churches and said, look, look behind the scenes. The origin of sin, the relationship to what sex you were, what gender you were, it flows all through the Bible. As we said all the way through, God told Moses, only use a male lamb. If they'd have used a female lamb on the little post, they would have died. A son would have died. The eldest son would have died. So therefore you find God's use of sex is a little bit different than the way the wokes are using gender. So stick to the way he does it. Rather, I admire your enthusiasm, wish many of my uh, friends and enemies had the same enthusiasm when we do debates. But you'll find a lot more help on that if you go to creationresearch.net, look up gender, look up sex. You'll find uh, those words are very well explained and dealt with. Thanks so much to James. Time's running out. And uh, I want to tell you how you can connect with John Mackay, but uh, there is some new little development that you've got going on in the UK. You've got a yep. uh, a new museum in the UK, two floors, 6,000 square feet of space, 10 minutes parking from 1,200 cars. Yeah. Uh, this is a good development for it you. Really it really is. In yeah. fact, it got me up really early last week when the young man in charge said, John, you've got to help me quick. I said, what's the problem? Transfer 4,000 pounds to me straight away. I said, what for? He said, he said we, we've got to pay for the lease tomorrow now. I said, but you just got a cheque donated from someone in England last week for, the, for that amount. What's happened to it? He said, we put it in the bank and they won't cash it for 10 days. And I said, okay. So the secretary organised for that money to be across there and we went and got the keys the next day. And if you go to our website, have a look at our new newsletter, have a look at the, the there is the building on the front. We now have a new building, a 6,000 square foot museum. That's what it will be. We've got a few dinosaurs in there at the moment, which doesn't include me. And it's just a great opportunity, particularly the number of people who've walked up and down uh, that alleyway in Oswestry, which is a lovely little town on the Welsh borders on the main road, north and south. And it'll be a very great attraction. Two floors and plenty of parking that's free it's amazing no doubt when you're on creationresearch.net looking for some answers to the questions you might have uh, there's probably a way you can connect with you is there a way people can make a donation oh yes and they support the good work you're doing and the stuff that's building and this is we're talking about this development in the uk so things happening around the world you've Mm -hmm. got various things happening in a number of states here in australia but uh, people can support that they can that museum in tasmania or our main museum here or the office workers or whatever, you can go to creationresearch.net, click on donations, or you can use just um, PayPal, uh, straight to Creation Research accounts. So there's all sorts of ways. And yes, we'd encourage you to pray and ask the Lord what he wants you to do with the finances he's blessed you with uh, that you, you really should be using for his purposes. And you've got some operations in Queensland mm-hmm. and in Tasmania. Mm-hmm. Uh, any others that I've missed? Uh, uh, well, yes, we've got Canada, we've got the USA, we've got a new museum coming up in the USA as well, uh, one like Jurassic Ark, an outdoor right. museum. Uh, yeah. For for the Aussie ones, though, uh, do you need some uh, support there by oh, way yes, of we personnel? Certainly, we certainly do need uh, one person in particular, um, as some of you have reminded me over the years, John Mackay, you are approaching uh, your centenary. No, not quite, but uh, it would be great to have extra people involved who can do the sort of things we do. We have staff here in Queensland, but we're looking for a, a godly person uh, who knows their science, knows their Bible, would prefer to win souls than win arguments. And we also need an office lady who can come in 
and count all the money I bought back from South Australia and Tasmania, <laughs> etc. So if any you fit in those two categories, get in touch with John Mackay, the Creation God guy, and Vision's got our details. So creationresearch.net, you'll find a way to connect with John Mackay. There's a whole lot of things. You can find John on YouTube. You can follow him on Facebook. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter. You can keep up with his fossils on Instagram. Uh, subscribe to his free email newsletters. Uh, there's uh, articles with Q&A at Creation Research. There's kids' books. Uh, you can find uh, John's books in the Vision store, vision.org.au. Uh, lots of good things, including a streaming channel, creationresearchlive.net. So lots of ways to connect with John Mackay, the creation guy. John, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and your heart with us once again today on 2020. Good on you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.